the scene was dead anyway. A music scene lives, a music scene dies. The stories, however, are immortal. The scene was dead anyway is a look into the lives, communities and music scenes that help shape an entire generation. Hello and welcome to The Scene Was Dead Anyway. I'm your host, Rick Walland. This is episode number 13, and today I'm joined by Don McLean. You might have heard Don's name come up in one of my previous episodes with Emma from Fat Out. Don was an influential figure on the MK Don's DIY scene in the early noughties for his label Fortissimo Records. Don is also the founding member of Action Beat an instrumental improvisational noise rock band from Bletchley, UK. Often made up of musicians who are available to play the gig on any particular date. They normally have at least four guitarists, a bassist and between one and four drummers. Before we start, if you're watching on YouTube, please could you like and subscribe to my channel to help the podcast grow. And if you're listening on Apple iTunes, please could you leave a review under the ratings and review tab. You can also find me on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway. I'm also on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway. And I'm on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash TSWDA. Just a couple of disclaimers, uh, there was a two second delay for when I spoke and Don hearing what I said, uh, so sometimes it can sound like I'm talking over him, but that's just the uh, delay, so I apologise in advance for that. And also if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice the audio sometimes goes out of sync with the video, um, so that's just another connectivity issue, uh, but the actual recording, the audio recording itself is clear and and fine for the most part uh, so yeah um, just uh, bear that in mind and I do apologize uh, thanks here's a short clip of Action Beat playing live in France around 2013 <laughs> Welcome to the show, Don. Thanks for coming on. How how's it going? Hey, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure, man. Um, if you want um, to, just yeah, give us a little I'd, I'd say intro about yourself and uh, what do you do and where do you live and yeah, for people who don't know. 
Rice, why why you even asked me on the show? <laughs> <laughs> why did you ask me on the why did you ask me to come on the show? Um I guess for the people that don't know anything about me or etc why would you know anything about me really? Um I guess um I'm kind of lumped in um with the early 2000s UK noise rock crew I would say early 2000s maybe mid and then late as well all through I guess the first two the the first tens right that decade I guess yeah I guess I'm yeah. lumped in with that crew yeah um yeah and I had this um <laughs> I had this thing going on in a town called Bletchley which is surrounded by another town called Milton Keynes um which I'm sure you're all aware of right yes is, yeah this 50 year old town that looks like LA and it's like, um, I don't know, a lot of potential for a dystopian nightmare to happen there, but it's a, it's a, it's a new town centered around a mall and, uh, square grids like LA, etc. And, uh, we grew up in, in the town called Bletchley. Right? Uh, I was actually born in Scotland, but I grew up in Bletchley cause my parents moved south because of Thatcher actually I was, I was always told told that we moved south because of Thatcher I'm like alright okay. <laughs> okay um so I don't know around I don't know around that sort of time I started putting on gigs in this town called Bletchley under the name Fortissimo um and now god I was I was doing that I was doing Fortissimo I was touring around in Action Beat for a long long time putting on gigs and good about 2010 i moved to new york new york city and yeah. now i live here and i've lived here for 11 years and i'm a i'm a social studies teacher in new york actually I was social ask studies you, yeah, high what, what yeah i'm a stateside i'm a social studies high school teacher and um i love my job and everything and i'm i'm, I'm still actively involved in music and um i'm not just i don't know our band we weren't just the 2010s crew and that was it and then we stopped it was like we're still we're still going um, yeah i mean yeah I've, I've got plenty of questions about action beat and uh, yeah you know, and, uh, uh, but like as you say so you grew up in milton Keynes, and right i guess that was where you started really your uh you know going to shows and playing in bands and stuff and you met a lot of the guys I guess who you play with or have played with in the band uh, through that scene and you started the label obviously for TCM Records. So would you mind just uh, yeah telling me, telling us a bit more about that and what you can remember from what kind of music were you listening to and uh, who were your kind of uh, inspirations and stuff when you were kind of growing up, what kind of music you were listening to? <coughs> God, yeah. It's um yeah it's a, it's a long story to be honest um it is it's just such a long story and uh, it 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 kind of takes me back but I guess um I should I should begin where I first started actively getting involved in putting on gigs etc and I'm in Bletchley yeah Milton Keynes and my friends and I are. 
you know what's cast as i guess i guess i don't know if you had it in the north but but grebo kids right we're grebo kids <laughs> i've not heard that no what's Gre- do you know what's it's Gre- like no you didn't get grebo uh, not, like not in, not in wigan that, no yeah it was like <laughs> kids that were into um alternative rock or any anything alternative uh in bletchley milton Keynes. yeah The kids are like cowboy racers. A lot of uh, listening to, I don't know, garage and um, I don't know later grime music, etc. Bletchley was big for raves, actually, for Dreamscape and um, the other one, Helter Skelter, and it was downtown, right? Mm. So all the kids were into that, but my friends and I were definitely more drawn to Nirvana, right? For instance, right. Yeah and heavy sounds uh coming from america right so definitely seattle washington yeah Nirvana, definitely definitely sonic youth right yeah but early on man when i was first getting into this 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 shit like i'm like 14 13 14 at school and i'm in the stuff like green day right you know yeah same (laughs) man same yeah you know we all started in there. Yeah, Dookie, yeah. <laughs> man, you know, and stuff like Yeah, 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 Dookie, stuff like that. Uh, I like Placebo. Um, God, um, what else are we into? We were into this band called The Junket, actually. They used to come up from um, London. They used to come to Bedford Esquires and stuff. And, uh, you know, they were just influential, influential mm. to some kids that were just getting into to learning guitar and stuff. Yeah. So my yeah. friend, uh, his name is Clint, really good friend. You know, I grew up with him since I'm like, what, six years old, really. You know, I come, come from Scotland. I've got a Scottish accent and stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm getting, becoming friends with these kids, right? And uh, this, this kid in particular, and a few of them, I just grew up with, right? Yeah. And uh, so this kid gets a guitar. We kind of both get the guitars. <laughs> And he's just naturally good at it, man. Uh, for me, I had to practice at it. It was one of those things. And I'm like playing the guitar and it's in the end and I'm getting my father like, can you play some fucking songs? And I'm like, I'm trying to learn. <laughs> what kind of stuff did he want you to play? Like, like, some tunes. Some, uh, what kind of stuff did your dad did your dad want you to play? And what what did he something like? Something that was appealing to his ears. Yeah, Rogers. Yeah, if I played some Kenny Rogers, he would have been happy with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but you know what I'm saying, right? It's like you know you're learning guitar, right? And um, I don't know, my friend was just naturally good at it. So he was the guitarist, and I was the singer, and I couldn't sing. And grab another guitarist. Uh, this guy, uh, Tom Spaven, his name was. And uh, he was really good as well, like prodigy style on the guitar. And we get this kind of Mickey Mouse cover band going with a drummer as well. His name is Rich. (laughs) And we arrange at 15 years old, like our first gig at the Youth Club, the Youth Club Centre, Bletchley Milton Keynes. You can uh, get it up for your viewers it's called yeah. derwent drive youth club derwent drive and we arranged this gig we were yeah we were 15 years old and it was uh doing uh like covers 
like Nirvana covers and Green Day covers, and we did a placebo cover. And uh, God, what else did we do? I'm trying to think. I don't know. Whatever, man. You know, it was like my first time on stage. Mm. It was just being in a band, wasn't it? Like when you first, it's just everything is so new and so like just exciting and like fucking hell, I'm playing in a band. I'm, you know, I'm doing gigs. Yeah. I'm like, Whoa, what the hell? You know, it's that. It was great. It was this huge, huge hall, right? Derwin Drive Youth Club. For me, anyway, a 15 year old kid, it was a huge hall. And we had to get everything together. We had to get the PA, all the amps, etc. And we get onto the stage and I'm like, got tons of butterflies getting onto the stage. But as soon as I got on there, I've got this mic and uh, I'm looking at the back of the room. And, and ever since then, I was just like absolutely hooked. That was it. Yeah. And yeah. I did that at 15. I thought, thought, well, putting on a gig now is easy. Like, shit's easy. Right, I'm just going to, you know, I was developing my taste after then from 15 years old onwards. Yeah. And by the time I'm like 18, 19, uh, I'm more confident uh, with my listening, what bands I'm into. Right? I'm into to better bands than Green Day and, and Placebo, quite frankly. I'm in a Sonic Youth and shit. Uh, Gazi, Big Black, Shellac. Uh, okay, yeah all of it touch and go i was absolutely obsessed with it i became obsessed with it to the point where you know i'm ordering all these records off southern records pretty much every week this mm. was mail order this was mail order when i'd have to you know you'd have to it would the, the 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 internet was so primitive you had to print off the order form and i'd write it all out yeah and then send my stuff in and then weeks later you'd get the the vinyl or the CDs in the mail from Southern. Wow. Yeah. And um, I don't know about the time I'm 18, 19, they're putting on ATP, right? And the first one that we went to was the Mogwai one, right? And we're big fans of Mogwai. And I'm just... a massive fan of Mogwai at this point. So, you, so you, you're happy with the news? Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, great, man, isn't it? Album of the... Uh... Yeah, I was absolutely loving it, actually. I've just I've just got it in the post as well, actually. Um, I got it from Temporary Residence, obviously. It's the... Um, the new Mogwai oh, album. The America, it's, it's, the, it's the American release, yeah. So, I don't know. I was going to talk about that, actually. So yeah, glad, go for it, man. I'm glad I've got that. Yeah, I just... Yeah, there you go, right? It's really nice. Uh, I have had it bit. on. Yeah, um, I've been talking to my friend about it. Like we grew up with it, and um, just grew up with Mogwai. You know, um, they were an early band when I first started listening to them, and I just thought they were so cool, right? Like with, with their jazz masters, and like I don't know, they seemed like this dark Scottish black humour band, mm. and I loved them. Mm. Uh, and I loved that they were Scottish because I was Scottish as well, right? And, um, you know, I've got the English accent and everything, but you know what Scottish people are like. The bloody, they're forced to be proud, aren't they? My parents yeah. <laughs> made me be proud of being Scottish. And I am, right? I'm not a nationalist or anything, but I'm, I'm really deeply into, um, you know, I'm proud of yeah, yeah, you, stuff. Okay. And so they've got a band. You've got a band that everyone's appreciating. It was nice. It was a good, it was a good time. It was a good feeling. Mm. But they did mm. their ATP. 
and we all went we had this band at the time called akari right it's me clint who's the decent guitarist my very good friend called lewis webb who i also grew up with since i was like five um and he's on bass and then we've got a drummer called stuart southwell and we all went like this four-piece crew went to atp um for the mogwai uh, atp weekend it was just the, it was the best man it was like the best experience when you when you're that age i can't so so for people who don't know what's what's atp um how would you describe it it's no longer a <laughs> uh, or it's pretty much yeah, it's, it's like so it, it, it sucks that it doesn't go anymore i'm trying to like figure out i guess he, he was doing too many is my uh take on it all i i read that he he, he went like bankrupt or whatever he he was basically getting huge artists and then not being able to basically afford it and and he just like went under so yeah i don't know but i went to a couple yeah it was, but yeah it's basically like a it's a mu- uh, music festival um usually held at like some like holiday resort or something like butlins or something um i guess it's the main old it would have been the main alternative to like glastonbury and leeds and reading yeah right i mean we went we were all always at the reddings because it was close to milton Keynes. you know it was easy for us to get to it was an experience it was great loved it and everything but atp was uh by far the superior festival um just more intellectual music really on Mm. offer um deeper music than what was available at Reading, quite frankly. Uh, and they had the curating you know, thing as well, didn't they? Like someone would curate, like pick the entire lineup, basically. Like a... yes. So Mogwai were were picking the lineup that year, and and you had like Godspeed, you Black, yeah. Emperor, um, who at the time were still an unknown band, and you know seeing them are amazing, of course, right? And then they've got Shellac on the bill. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just really. Um, I was, I was, I was glad to be at those festivals, um, and it really inspired me. Okay, um, and at this time, I'm getting more interested in the idea of starting to put on gigs and take the idea of putting out music more seriously mm. than I am than than my 15 year old youth club and 18 year old band called akari i'm thinking i need to get more uh professional about this let's get a label together right yeah and fugazi fugazi and ian mckay and discord and Mm. knowing about touch and go and southern and stuff that just that that was the um the influence of course right Mm. mckay and what those guys were doing in dc uh resonated with me in that story because if you've ever have you ever been to dc i've never been to the states no no obviously crap you know (laughs) (laughs) go to all the musical places yeah downtown dc is like like rome yeah downtown dc is like rome but i just see it as quite a crappy city as well like kind of milton Keynes ish and uh they talk about that and they discuss how they built community 
um, from the ground up and with always a desire to get the youth involved uh, yeah. with this strong community scene that was built from music, right? So that resonated yeah, 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 with yeah, that yeah, story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the ATPs continued and we continued going to the next one that I went to. I missed the Orteca one, actually. I always kicked myself for that one. But uh, we went to the the Taurus one, right, the next one. And I got to tell the story. I'm sorry, right? It's, it's, it's a no, long no, one, right? Fine. But um, go <laughs> we go to the Taurus one. Uh, and where's it being held? Which uh, which place is it? Cam- Camber Sands, right? Camber Sands. Camber, yeah. Sa- Camber Sands. It's all. It's initially always at Camber Sands, but that's Folkestone, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, yes. I didn't go to that one. I went to the uh, Minehead one. Uh, but you went to the later Minehead one. Yeah, 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 right. The yeah. early ones were the other side of England, on the east, southeast there, uh, Camber, Folkestone, I believe. Is it? I'm getting my geography right. I'm a geography teacher, Mister McLean. Come on. <laughs> um, anyway, it's the Tortoise. It's the Tortoise Festival. Yeah. Right. And I've got this new band now called Riot Men. Okay, Riot Men. We picked the the crappiest name in history, but whatever, we took it. Right. Mm-hmm. Got this new band. No, actually, I'm I'm actually lying here. <laughs> got a Kari. We go to the festival. Yeah. Right? We've got a Kari. It's the four piece. We go to the festival. Taurus. And my friend, this bassist, right, Lewis Webb, plays an action beat now, right? He's, he's the bassist. The guy who's always got his top time, off. Right? Yeah, that's him. Um, <laughs> that's him. That's him. That's top him, off guy. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah the short basis right that's him we're going to the festival we've got this band called akari kid he's a kid and he's complaining about his stomach oh i feel so you know, like what you know we're kids at the time and yeah, yeah, yeah. all we're thinking about is getting there and like yeah right yeah he's just miserable talking about his stomach oh bent over <laughs> So we're walking towards our chalet and he starts like violently puking on the floor and stuff. What the fuck? Like, oh shit. Get him to his room. Don't worry. Don't worry, Webb. Just rest. Just rest. So we're putting him to to bed to rest and stuff. And he's like getting up. And he's like, I got to go and watch a few bands, right? If you if you feel like it, mate, you know, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we all go, and we're kind of like walking him. He's like, oh, and we're walking him to the venue. Right, and the first band on the Tortoise Weekend are was the X. Oh, right? and the that's X, man. Im- it's Im- it's important for my story. Um, but the X seeing them, um, it's absolutely incredible. It was around the time. They just released Dizzy Spells, right? But they were playing tracks from Starters Alternators as well, I believe. And their singer uh, was called GW Sock at the time. And they're playing on stage. Uh, they the first band of the Taurus Weekender. And I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a band interact that way Um together and it was mm. it was just so impressive the way that they were kind of reading each other's minds and it was all there and uh, yeah. totally mind-blowing and very important 
for my development as a musician because the way that they were treating the guitars and, and the things that they were doing to the guitars, um, mm. <laughs> I'll just never forget it. And they had this thing where it was very important to me because they were obviously going off visual cues, but they'd rush the stage together, the two guitarists, uh, Andy and Thierry, and the, uh, Terry, and they'd rush the stage together. And it's kind of this explosive piece of music and they come in and the, the rhythm section's always keeping it going. And yeah. Yoss has um, got this political, political poetic deliverance, which I loved, right? Yeah. So my friend, me and my good friend, Webb, were watching this, uh, selfies there, etc. We're all there. And then afterwards, we went back to the chalet, right? And we're just back at the chalet trying to chill, right? We're 18-year-olds, you can imagine, right? And he goes back to bed. And a couple hours later, I think they, the guys were playing poker or something. I don't know. We just hear this blood-curdling scream from uh, the next room, man. And um, shit, man, my friend was like, ah, my, my, ah, he's like, my stomach, my stomach. I was like, oh. holy shit. Bring the, the, the ambulance, right? 999. Hello, get an ambulance, please. Where? Canvas and folks zone, you know, Butlins. Get, well, was it Butlins? No, it was Pontins. Get to Pontins, right? Pontins. So the ambulance come, security turn up, the ATP security, and they're like, what are you doing? And we're like, my <laughs> friendly's stomach, you know, it's gone like this. And they're like, you should have called us. What's he been having? What oh, drugs are you taking? You know, yeah. how much alcohol? And we were like, dude, he's come. He's just like, you know, we're kids at the time. He's, he's just come. Uh, and he was complaining about his stomach and blah, blah. And the ambulance are like taking it. And it doesn't look good for him, man. Eventually they take him off. And, um, we lay we learn the next morning of his parents right that like his appendix exploded right? i was gonna say it sounded exploded. like something so really like that, yeah he was really really lucky um to be alive to be honest right so not not only did we see this band that changed our life but Webb was really lucky to not only see them, but be alive. <laughs> and I'm laughing about it because I'm like, just even thinking about it makes me like nervous, right? And yeah. God, this is even weirder. But the week after that, Mogwai, Webb's still in the bloody hospital, you know, all sewn up and stuff. He's lucky to be alive. Week after that, Mogwai do their show um on the isle of butte right so yeah you, you, we went up to glasgow drove mm. no we went up to edinburgh drove across to glasgow then took a boat to the isle of butte see the mogwai gig and blah 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 yeah i'm at the record store and i'm like i gotta get weber i gotta get weber present I gotta get weber present <laughs> he's in the hospital i'm like i gotta get him a present so i find eventually the this x seven inch you know Oh, lovely! <laughs> it was cool. I was like, you know, this, this band, this band is uh, really important to us now, and uh, we can always think about this band as the band that um, we shared before you almost died. Oh, and when wow, he came yeah. back, yeah. right, and he's all good, and we wanted, yeah, when he came back, and he's all good, and, and we wanted to um, think about developing our sound. 
mm. we talked about the X and, and how we needed to rip off those cues, etc. <laughs> and not rip them off, but you know what I mean. Be in, yeah. be, be influenced by them. I know. Uh, uh, yeah, well, they, yeah. if, if the, it, I guess I guess people would now look at me and think, yeah, God, you did rip off the, the X's cues, but it's being influenced by them. My terminology is uh... everybody's influenced <laughs> by someone, aren't they? At the end of the and day, I, you know. Yeah, there's always what there's always plagiarism in art, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I mean, you can use that word, or you can um, use inspired. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after that, we have the near death experience with 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 Web. We get this band called uh, Riot Men. This is when we get it right. We get this band called Riot Men, who is directly influenced by. Um, Fugazi, Shellac, and the X, and that's what we want to sound like, and that's what we want to be, yeah. And that's what we're trying to do, and that informs everything about us, right? So, we're practicing every week, etc., right, in our friend's garage. And, and I don't know why, man, but I'd been doing these gigs at a place called Zach's and Milton King's, just local band stuff, and for us to play, etc. And I see that the X uh, were touring or were getting a tour uh, together. Mm. I thought, why not, man? I'm just gonna I'm gonna email them, gonna try and sort out a gig. I'm gonna get it together, see what they say. And they turn around and forgive me, Andy or Terry, Terry or if any of you are listening or whatever. But they were like, yeah, we'll we'll play your show in uh, you know Wolverton, Milton Keynes. It's uh. 350 pound guarantee and i'm like 20 years old or whatever maybe 19 and i'm like this at the time is shit loads yeah. <laughs> it's like my pizza heart wages <laughs> yeah. it's my pizza heart wages for the week yeah. right 300 pounds and they're like yeah you know we're um we can get loads more than that in london of course they're, and they're really nice about it and cool and stuff and of mm. course the band needs to get paid and stuff yeah, it's yeah. the first time I was ever dealing with anything like a rider and stuff like that. It was my mm. first important gig, right? The X at uh, Wolverton, Zach's in Wolverton, right? It's my first important gig, um, and it meant a lot to me that I I pulled that off. And and seeing them at ATP influenced me. It influenced my band. Mm. I ripped them off as I I just uh, um confess to you guys right they they yeah. just informed every everything about my life right them through gazi shellac and influenced me a lot right put on this first gig very very nervous about it <laughs> just like you know kid putting on these people that are regarded as my heroes man I'm so really is it under your was it under your label like, and the the under Fortissimo Records, which yeah. at this point has released like one Glass Master CD, no, one CDR in a pizza box that we painted, um, <laughs> some other sort Great, of Mickey man. Mouse CDR, yeah. another Mickey Mouse CDR, and then we had done one Glass Master, Fortissimo Records. So this is our thing. This is my thing, Fortissimo Records. Yeah. And I get this glass master CD, the right man. And I'm just calling everything Fortissimo records. Anyway, even if I'm putting on a gig, it's Fortissimo records presents, you know? Mm. So was it a label? No, 
because I'm a terrible businessman and I've got, <laughs> I shouldn't be involved in business at all. I always lose money. Even though the X was my first professional gig, right? It's 350 pounds plus all the rider. I put them up somewhere for free because the youth club in Stony Stratford helped me out. So that was cool, right? Yeah. Um, but it was a lot of money for a kid and no one came to my fucking gig on a Wednesday, you know? And I'm begging everyone to come to the gig in town, right? I'm begging everyone. I'm putting it around. I'm, I'm putting it on the local forum. I get it in the, the local paper. I'm saying, you've got to come and watch this Anarcho punk band, right? They're legendary. They yeah. played Chumba Wamba years ago. They played with Crass years ago. They were on, they were distributed by such and such and such. They're on Touch and Go Records. They were recorded by Steve Albini. Please come and watch this band. Yeah. Everyone in Milton Keynes are like, yeah, yeah, of course I'll be there, mate. Yeah, you know what I mean, mate. Yeah, of course I'll <laughs> check them out, you know. And it's a Wednesday. I'm sitting on the, the, the door, right? And fuck all people are coming. And I'm just like, oh, oh shit. Yeah, it really drains you. It does. But for that, I couldn't, it didn't matter to me because I was putting on my heroes. I lost a week's wages. But they were really cool about it. I got to see him in an intimate setting. And uh, Terry, the ex, was really cool. And he gave me a ton of CDs, which I've still got to this day. Oh, Even though I don't keep any CDs, I kept I kept my ex CDs because uh, he gave them to me. And Yoss was really cool, uh, who I'll talk about later on today. Um, and they were, Andy was really cool. Cat, they were really cool. They're sound people. Everything about them, it was just so great and so inspiring. That was my early stuff. And after the X, I just kept on contacting bands, man. More and more bands. Yeah, I actually saw them supporting Mel Banana, Easington yeah. uh, Mill. I, I actually, I actually enjoyed. They were supporting. What do you I think? Was like, they were. I was like, the fucking hell, they're better than Mel Banana, you know. I was like, I've come to see Mel Banana, but. This fucking band are uh, just incredible. <laughs> that's what I felt on the night when I was there. That's quite a... Like, Melt Down yeah, were fantastic. Yeah, that's quite a lineup, to be honest. You know, uh, like, got in a mosh pit and not been in a mosh pit for ages, and it was like, felt like I was 15 again, jumping about, you know. Uh, oh, nice, yeah. It's into Mill, yeah? It's into Mill in Salford, yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I saw... Yeah, I know, I know it well, yeah. And I saw the X at ATP as well. It was um, 2010. I think it was the uh, God. Was it, it was, yeah, it was the Godspeed one. I think. Yeah, 2010. They picked, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they were on at like three o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah, they're an influential on the main band. Stage, and I was just like, I'd a, had a nap. Oh wow! And turned up on the main stage, and they played, and, and everybody was just fucking jiving and jumping around, like you know, old school punkers and stuff with like, yeah, you know, mohawks and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is great. One of the best gigs ever, man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that you bring up Melt Banana, actually. Um, I love Melt Banana for a start. Um, but we did play with him in, in Sweden once. And, uh, you know, we're quite a confident band, if I do say so. Yeah. Um, so this is with Action thought, Beat that you played? Yeah, this was with Action Beat later. I'm just, I don't know if you want to get this in later, but... Um, we're touring and we, we play with um, Mel Banana and we're, as I said, we're a confident band and we're like, we can share the stage with any band really. But um, <laughs> Mel Banana went on before us and we're like, oh no, man. 
Like, su- oh, right. So they were kind of like is... supporting. <laughs> they went on before <laughs> us because of time or something. Yeah. And we were like, that is just an incredible wow. band, yeah. man. Like, that I mean, yeah, they've been blew, blew us out of the water. Well. You know, it's like, you... yeah. I mean, we still went on and held our own and everything, but it's like, you know, they're really, really brilliant bands. Yeah. And technically smart, intelligent, and uh, just the longevity as well is great. So uh, you started mm. Action Beat in 2004 right. and you've played around mm-hmm. 700 shows apparently, according to your <laughs> to your uh, band camp. Uh, That's what it says, does it? Yeah. Uh, bl- yeah. Blurb. Um, so, uh, I mean, obviously you, you talked about Riot Men before. That was like the kind of pre, was that like the precursor to Action Beat? Uh, yeah, I wonder if I can get my CD. Can I just go and have a look? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, I've man. got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I've got uh, this this band called um, Riot Men that's influenced by, sorry, the ex Fugazi Shellac primarily, mm. um, and you know I'm I'm oh God I've got my guitar. Sorry, I will just get my guitar. And I'm doing all these, like, you know, the sort of shellacky chords, it's all up here, and uh, some sort of bichord ship. And to me, it's like getting to the stage where it's been done a million times. Hmm. Now, I'd always, um, I, I'd always tried with my band. So we had, we had done this recording at Southern Studios um in in london right it was uh God, what was the track? i don't even remember 10 middleton road i think it was in london right really cool right studio ton of people had recorded there harvey burrell uh engineered us the riot men right it's my first professional recording really professional you know they did it on a two inch tape uh god this is really early 2004 and uh we get this cd pressed it's called a glass master cd which is like a professional uh press as opposed to a cdr now this it sounds like yeah whatever but to to a kid trying to develop his label this yeah. is the big deal because i went from you know these cdrs to um moving on to this glass master right so it's this i'm thinking right the label's going to develop and it's going to get you know it's going to go places etc um but at the same time secretly um not, not even secretly but just like I, I just, i'm always one of these people i don't know if you can relate to this but like with drawing or art and i'm always like reflecting and i want it to be better or move to different places i'm never content mm. it's like my argument mm. that i can't really put that i can't really put tattoos on myself personally even though i like them on other people i just wouldn't be content with it i'm like i don't know i'm too yeah. like fidgety yeah. and i've got to be moving <laughs> i've got to be moving so i've got this band with called riot men one i'm really pissed off about the name i hate it because it's called riot men and i think oh great did a 10 year old make your name All right that's really annoying two i'm like i'm not a good enough a guitarist to keep playing these chordy riffs and uh, I'm definitely not putting in any solos in it. We're a three piece. Where's that going? And I'm like, I want to get more 
noisy like instrumental sonic youth right i want to be like lightning bolt like i want to be like lightning bolt right and i want to come in to a room and just like rip a guitar apart like rip it apart and like so it's just uncomfortable that people can't yeah. even like be in i want to do that like a sonic my assault chordy sort of. songs yeah my chordy songs about like this 18 year old political stuff that i'm talking about right yeah like my crappy take on marxism or whatever it is riot men it's just not cutting it anymore for me really and so i had always been playing uh in the kind of sonic youth um tunings anyway you know it's like two e's i don't know two e's and two d's right and i don't know for a couple of c's in there or whatever right now tune the strings so they're in unison i'm not going to do it but you tune the strings so they're in unison and it kind of doubles up on the tone this just allowed for this kind of sonic assault from the guitar right and you could just, just like absolutely rip it apart right just put the distortions on put some delays on and uh you know tear it apart on the guitar right so this is uh my idea i think for what i want a band to be like Mm. right we're getting more and more into um lightning bolt in 2000 well 2003 etc and my friend's like i want to start a kind of two-piece noise rock band right two-piece noise rock band is like you be the drama don and i'm like i'm like i'm a, sh- I'm a <laughs> shit drama <laughs> you're not like brian brian chippendale fucking no no i'm not like brian chippendale he's a beast That's all right, but I... <laughs> yeah he's just like yeah he's, he's otherworldly right and he's a he's a real drummer i'm not a drummer i'm a guitarist so my friend's like i want you to be the drummer and i'm like yeah yeah uh let's do some practices and we're doing these crappy songs, trying to sound like Light and Bolt with me playing as fast as I can. It's awful. Really is awful. Uh, but we're sitting around and we think it's quite fun anyway. Mm. So we decide that even though I'm a rubbish drummer and he's a rubbish bassist, um, together, if we keep going at it, surely we'll get decent. <laughs> we'll get, we'll yeah. get good at this. <laughs> so stupid and you know i've got this other band called riot men who i think is my professional band and i've got this <laughs> other band on the side and i we call it action b right we call it action b I'm like, what the fuck what what um, about that name then where's that where does that come from action it's beat. so it's so it's so stupid it's so stupid we've got this so i'm trying to get the context but it's it's me I can't play any drums and my friend he can't play bass and we just get into a practice room and we just make loads of noise and try and make it sound as good as possible that's what we do right um, so we're sitting around and we want to call it a ridiculous name we do we're influenced at the time by do you remember all the load record stuff no do you know load records so they were lightning bolts lightning bolt were put out by load records uh they put out usa's a monster usa's a monster yeah, uh, them. sightings yeah sightings um and 
I think they might have even done some stuff by AIDS Wolf, right? This band called AIDS Wolf. Oh yeah, Wolf. I remember them. And yeah. even AIDS the name. Wolf. You you don't forget a name like that, do you? So even <laughs> <laughs> So even even I the name them, AIDS yeah. Wolf, right? Tell tells you what early two thousands noise rock was about, right? It was it was kind of some sort of shock and awe shit going on as well. Which no one at the time was ashamed about. Um, there's also a band called Pink and Brown, right? Yeah, Which I was going to mention them. You yeah. know, repulsive. Guy, he's he's like Coltrips and OCs in and his... all that, isn't he? The uh, the main guy in that band. Yeah, Coltrips, OCs. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. John Dwyer, right? John Dwyer, that's it. Yeah, that's his name. So there's all this. Yeah, there's all this stuff at the time, and um, everyone is into this sort of half comical half it's half art half comedy sort of noise rock this is what it is coming from load records and being my friend especially this other band called men's recovery project right if any of your listeners want to check them out they're really cool really weird we wanted to be like them and we wanted to wear masks and just be weird and uh it was kind of like an in-joke band action beat for me and Carney, right? Me and this kid called James Carney, right? It was an in-joke band. <laughs> but we needed a name. And this is going to sound so stupid. It is. It's going to sound so stupid to you. Go on. But we had this friend called uh, John Grant. And my kid's sitting in the other room. She's got her headphones on. But um, there's this kid, a kid called John Grant who we were friends with. <laughs> and he just used to make up scenarios in which a person may be put in a comp, a man may be put in a compromised position if they were masturbating. Right? That's that's the best way I can put it. Right? For instance, he would say a danger beat. Right, a danger beat, right? You're beating yourself off, but it's a danger beat because oh, okay. right. Yeah. And this 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 is his scenario. This this is what he used to, this was his joke, right? And he would talk about it. He would say you could be <laughs> you could be upstairs kind of joking off. Relieving yourself, right? Yeah. And then shout <laughs> Mother, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. She's on the way up. Yeah. And you have to like get it over and done with before it comes in. That's the that's his humor. And you're like, what the fuck, man? And he would go on about various other I don't know, just coming up for he was really obsessed with it and he just used to talk about this stuff, man. And uh he would have a scenario and then the word beat. Right. So one day we we're just sat around obsessed with saying it. So I was like, I quite like the idea of action beat, right? I'm, I'm sitting around like, just like, I like the idea of action beat, John. You know like, what? I'm like, I don't know, you know, you're just doing it everywhere. I guess you're just running around. I guess you're on assault courses and you're just doing it anywhere. Just, it's, <laughs> it's an action. You've got to take, <laughs> just do it wherever you go right just go crazy and it's an action beat and i was like oh that sounds really good actually um and it, it works with the idea that it's supposed to be this repetitive 
drum band, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be this like repetitive, and it's centered around um, what I thought I was going to be a really good drummer. I thought I was going to be a really good drummer. I'm not going to lie to the audience. Uh, so I thought, okay, right, well, action beat, that's going to work. And it sounds so nice. And yeah, our friends at the time were kind of like, we're trying, we're trying to get our own band names together. How would you come up with something so good? And we're like, well, <laughs> really, it's just John Grant's stupid, ridiculous humor. It was only so, because of John Grant's ridiculous humor. Off, <laughs> he had action, yeah, danger, danger beats. Uh, I don't know, traveling fast, like car beats. Uh, all sorts of beats he would come up with. That was his imagination, and would talk to, tell us about it, and we're like, John. And yeah, action, you know, and... you do some, you, you hear some stupid shit when you're a kid. Writing the songs, with it was it all just, um, was it was it all improvised, or did you did you have a process for writing the songs? Because obviously it changed a lot over the years. You had different like members in the band, and in the end, it it's become this huge like almost like yeah. A, ensemble of free drummers and few guitarists and basses and yeah um it's a long story god it's a long just... <laughs> and i even thinking about it, it takes its time it was it was it's, it's a long band it's still going um but we're starting 2004 as this joke two-piece band right yeah we play this thing called Battle of the Bands, right? Battle of the Bands in in Milton Keynes. And my friend Carney bought a wireless um a wireless receiver to go into his base. Um so he could go out into the audience uh Allah and we ripped this off again, right? Influenced, um, whatever you want to call it. We ripped this off from the oxes and my friend was going around in the Battle of the Bands. <laughs> while I'm on the stage gassed out after about two minutes on the drums because I can't play it man. I'm not even joking I was so crap right and he's just <laughs> ragging this guitar making it such a noise right and the battle of the bands in Milton Keynes I mean you can sort of imagine the sort of music that was being played on yeah. that night uh, it's like this awful god god like almost Christian rock is what some of the bands in Milton Keynes sounded like to me right so me and my friend just thought, oh, this is going to be fun, just going on the Battle of Bands and absolutely ripping the noise uh, through their big PA system and stuff. And after we did that, I was just like, Carney, never going to be a good drummer. I'm a guitarist. I am a guitarist. And let's both just play guitar, right? Let's both put it in Sonic Youth tunings, right? Uh, and for instance, I get it. Yeah, there. So you can hear it. I just put it in the Sonic Youth tunings, right? Yeah. And we'll just absolutely just rip it. Just rip it, right? Yeah. And we need a beat. We need a beat. So let's use my crappy Zoom drum machine that I've got, right? And we'll just. Oh, you put started on, out with a drum machine? Uh, the standard pre. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, man. We, I, I said, so put on the standard uh, drum patterns and let's just absolutely rip it over the, the drum machine. And it sounded so good. I loved it, actually. Um, 
Yeah, so he had this drum machine. And then one Christmas, right, it's Christmas 2005. And I know there's footage out there somewhere, but it's Christmas 2005. And me and Carney are like, we're going to do an action beat tour on Christmas Day. And we're posting it around on our local, you know, forums in Milton Keynes and stuff. We're saying we're doing a Bletchy, we're doing a, we're doing a Milton Keynes tour uh, action beat on Christmas Day. And we're going to play in all these places. And we listed them all, right? And the idea... <laughs> so you shared a picture we of this recently, this didn't generator. you, on uh, Instagram? Of, of the, uh... Yeah, man. I'm really proud of, of that I did this. Yeah, you might be able to show your viewers... Yeah. Uh, it's like under a the, bridge, the picture. Uh, like outside... Did like a gig. It is, yeah, and and, and that underpass is uh, near my house actually. So me and uh, my friend and I rather got hold of a generator. We hired the generator, and we got together our crappy amplifiers, right? And it's Christmas Day, um, and you know you're English, aren't? Well, you're not English, but you know I'm Scottish. You're British. British, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, they're offering you drinks, um, you know, for Christmas Day. People celebrate and stuff. But I stayed sober all day so I could drive around. Uh, that's not an achievement either. But to drive around <laughs> Milton Keynes all the roundabouts uh, in my <laughs> God, it was it was a yeah, it was a red Mercedes uh, hatchback I, I had off my stepdad at the time. And me and my friends drove around with generator. Me and my friend James Carney drove around with a generator, uh, a drum machine, two guitars, and two amps. And we drove around to all these spots and our friends followed us. It was cool. Wow. And we did, we played great. four, we played four times. It was great. We did two underpasses, uh, that were quite close to us, quite close to our houses. Uh, and then we played on top of a bridge that went across, um, the old a five, which is the Roman uh a5 it's whatman street right so the romans built that road it's brilliant right? and we played wow. on a bridge across it so that was nice um actually playing that gig i remember playing and i see this cop car comes speeding down with its uh blue sirens are stopped i was like shit right pack up let's go bobby they didn't come back you know and it's like <laughs> great and i was i was kind of like so we, we packed that up and then the last gig we played was at the skate park in Milton Keynes, which is actually a really famous uh, place and cool in its own right. And we did that on Christmas Day. I was really, really uh, proud that my friend and I pulled it off. And it was like, yeah, it was... I remember being a kid thinking, yeah, man, you know, these bands are far more important to me than any Christmas crap. You know, I was like, I was one of those kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought... Yeah. I thought, and I still do, I still do. I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most important things in my life, being in a band. Um, it definitely is. I didn't take it lightly, you know. I, I didn't take it lightly. I, I saw it as, um, you had, it was something you had to be responsible with, right? You had a responsibility. Mm. Um, mm. So after the, yeah, after the drum machine, um, after the drum machine, I thought, I said to Carney, let's uh, not bother with the drum machine. Let's get a boy, my drummer, 
from Riot Man. Let's get him. His name was James Walsh, right? His name was. His name is James Walsh. Yeah. Um, so he joined Action Beat a bit, and then he became kind of the drummer, right? Drummer. The first drummer of Action Beat. Now early on. <laughs> oh, apart from yourself. <laughs> he's not the first. He's not the. No, he can't be the. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm the first drummer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Walshy is the first drummer, isn't he? Yeah, Walshy is the first drummer. But what? the first recorded drummer, the first recorded drummer, actually on this record. So he's showing us a. Yeah. First there copy of. <laughs> this is great. This no, this is this is historic, and this it should be worth something. <laughs> First action and maybe not even, uh, release. No, maybe maybe not even for us, but for the other person that's on it. Um, right, yeah, this is the first action be release. This is it. Look at that, beautiful. Yeah, it's it is. Yeah, dog. it's a nice drawing. Oh, I like it's that. A good yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, man. Um, right, so let me tell the story of this god. So, it takes a while to get to that place because we stop with the drum machine. And I get uh, good friend James Walsh, and he's the drummer, and we need him for we don't need him, but you know we ask him for a tour that I'm booking. Right, I'm more and more heavily involved in gigs now, right? And by this point in my life, uh, 2005-ish, I had put on a ton of bands in Bletchley Milton Keynes. Right, at this place called the Leisure Center and various venues. Booked the first UK tune, uh, which involved getting visas, etc. Neptune are a band that hand make that metal instruments, etc. And really yeah, cool them, yeah. noise band. Yeah. So I booked the first UK tour for them. Yeah. And I had done things with touring with USA as a monster. And our band, Riot Men, had also done a tour in France, right? So I'm getting more and more experienced, right? Now, my next tour is with this band that Carney turns me on to, uh, who's my Action B guitarist, right? He turns me on to this band called Parts and Labor. Yeah, so Parts and Labor, yeah. I book their, yeah, I book their first UK tour and get the visas and everything. And Dom Chinchilla actually drives our tour. <laughs> do you know Dom Chinchilla? I do. You do know you what? Know? They they played a show in Wigan and they stayed at this house. And Dom, I think Dom Chinchilla yeah. stayed here as well. Like, so they played a show in Wigan and then like, yeah, I was chatting to the drummer and stuff, you know. Um, Yeah, they were cool guys. He used to drive everyone around and he's... He used to drive everyone round in his white sprinter at the time, right? It was legendary. If you were in a band at the time, you might have seen <laughs> or at least been in Dom Chinchilla's white van. And um he came on the part he drove the parts and labor tour. It was really cool. And um for the parts and labor tour, I wanted Action Beat to support, right? Not only because I wanted to be there with Parts and Labour the first time that they came to the UK, but also because I wanted to get Action B out there. It was absolutely 
a shit ton of work that me and Carney had to put into it, especially myself, right? I had to do all the visas and stuff like this. I had to do all the booking. Yeah. Me and Carney had to pay some money for the van rental and stuff, equipment hire. And I thought, you know what? Action Beat's getting, getting the support, right? <laughs> now, Parts and Labour are coming over for the tour. And I remember at the time, BJ tells me that he needs a bass amp right and he gives me this specific bass amp that he wants and stuff and my friend um at the time um we went to college together his name is peter taylor i remember um he had just got this bass amp right and he had got a baritone guitar actually i can't remember if he started playing bass with us at first i think yeah he was playing a little bit of bass with us at first and then he decided to get a baritone guitar right so then we go on the parts and labor tour. This is really early action beat. Don't even, we kind of know what band we are, but not, not yet. We're developing. And so we went on the action, the action beat parts and labor tour as a four piece. And that's basically our first tour. Me, Carney, me, James Carney, James and Peter Taylor with parts and labor who were like we had dom chinchilla as well so his van was fucking loaded and we went up and down the country it was cool man and um i don't know man people that this is what i noticed right and this is why i'm telling the story what i noticed is that from previous tours being with usa is a monster and touring with them as riot men because we were asked I noticed that people weren't really so receptive to riot men, right? <laughs> I'm laughing about it. Because, because we were this like chordy band with me singing my interpretation of Marxism <laughs> and sort of bellowing it out and trying too hard to be like shellac and fugazi and the x and i think yeah. people saw that a million miles away and plus the fact we were called riot men really sucked no one liked that we were called riot men because it's like well were you and web five years old when you came up with that name i actually i actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually, I actually don't mind that, that name to be honest but just personal <laughs> preference yeah some people don't so. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. people really like it. Some people have said, Don, yeah, some people are like, Don, you're making it up in your head, but that was always my take. So, anyway, uh, we get Action Beat on this tour, and I've just felt like people were more receptive to it. And it was like people that I had admired, I admired in mm. the noise, rock, DIY British scene at the time. A lot of people in Leeds, Manchester, Nottingham um glasgow even uh the people in bands i'm not gonna yeah. make anyone blush by by saying their names right but they know who they are right all these people i admired suddenly had come to the action beat tour and were like oh look you know your your action beat band's actually pretty fucking good you know yeah, uh, yeah. You're really nice tonight and blah 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 and we were getting it was just noticeable and i knew i just knew rick that we were a really good band. I just mm. knew it. You know, I, I could I could sense it. 
sense it. So yeah, I'd already recorded at Southern Studios with Riot Men, and now I'm like, right, Action Me's got to get a, it's got to get a record, Carney, James Carney. We've got to get a fucking record. We've got to do it. We've got to do it properly, and we're going to do it at uh, Southern Studios. And it has to be really good, and blah blah blah. I don't know why. I'm looking at it now. I don't know why Walshy wasn't even there, the drummer. Maybe he was. Yeah, he was there on the first one. That's right. But for the second one, I don't know. There was two recordings. Now I have to get clarification for this. But for 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 this one in particular, we had this drummer called Beanie. I don't know if you know who he is. Oh, right. So you had a different drummer for the recording. Yeah, you, you... yeah I don't know why Walshy wasn't on this one, the tour drummer. I can't remember particularly. Maybe he'll turn around and say, Don, you prick, you didn't invite me, bud. <laughs> You're like, you weren't good enough was... for, uh, for a record, I don't think mate. that was Sorry. the case. <laughs> uh, um, uh... But anyway, we we'd ended up with Beanie uh, on this record. And he is this kind of, he's a celebrity guy now from our town because he plays in uh, Rudimental, you know, the, the massive pop group. I haven't heard of him, no. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's, he, yeah, he's in this other, he's in this other, he's in this other group called Anne-Marie, uh, which is another pop group. And got this um, solo thing going on as well, right? But he's a br- he, he's a brilliant, brilliant drummer, right? And uh, he started off um, with so us. He's, he's doing Plus pretty he well now, then, yeah. Quite... Anyway, but he, yeah. he's doing a lot better than me musically, uh, Rick. I'm telling you that. But um, he's like the zapper. Yeah, of, you know, you, of you, the you, relationship. you pass go different routes. <laughs> you're the beef. You're the beef. Uh, you you pass go different routes, but you maybe who knows i don't know if he'd like that analysis but um he really likes beef art as well so maybe he can be the beef art and i'll be the zapper that's okay um yeah he's on this record and this one is called yep maximum bletchley right more hooky uh was a very fast kind of two and a half minute track really fast rip him and we we improvised it and then maximum bletchery is the second track and it's like 16 minutes long and i in my head had this idea of how it should sound okay yeah and uh we kind of plotted that six we kind of plotted that 16 minutes out but it was still improvised it was just that we had plotted out what we wanted to do i wanted a big breakdown and i said beanie you need to like tell us with uh, a signal right when we're gonna rip into the next like distorted bit that's supposed to <laughs> overburden the, yeah. the listener with a sonic assault right so i said make sure you do a roll right on maximum bletchley like, make sure you do a roll and so you just playing it and you should play maximum bletchley but he comes in with this right it's about 11 minutes it's just like the thing he did with the drums, I mean, I'm in love with it forever. I'm just, I'm in love with it forever. And it was committed to two-inch uh, analog tape as well. Carney still got it. And it really is. It's one of my favorite pieces of music that we ever made. 
Maximum Bletcher with Beanie uh, on drums. I'm just remembering now, Rick, Walshy was on the record we had done before this, but this was the record we used for the tour. Right, right that's so, what you were, yeah, that that's what you were. Well, at, least in my own, at, least in, at least in my own mind. <laughs> yeah, so you, you, I mean, there's uh, 700 shows, there's a lot to cover, so... Um, Maybe just the just the kind of stand <laughs> the standout shows that you can remember and you know. Um... All right, yeah. So the the whole seven hundred shows thing. Um, I wonder. Yeah, we've definitely not got any um, uh, quantitative data on this with every single show listed. If you go to the X website, for instance, right? They've got their history and all the dates listed wow. and that's yeah. largely uh due to well the singer gw sock uh was keeping all of their their records throughout the year etc and action beat definitely didn't do that unfortunately now i booked all the gigs etc and all of the tours so they are in my hotmail uh <clears throat> my hotmail email somewhere right yeah. So just recently, actually, we were uh, in a WhatsApp group with one of the guys that designed this, actually. His name was um, Sam Hoyle, and he came on our first European tour. And we were just talking and trying to get some of the gig listings back. We were trying to collect as much information as we could. And somewhere among those emails are all of the gigs that we've played. Um, is it 700? I don't know. I, I'd be skeptical of that. Um, but for instance, put it this way in 2009, um, we did a number of tours and we did one tour that was three months long and I counted them up. This was when we had MySpace and all the dates were, were listed and it was cool and they kept it all. We had, played 117 shows in 2009 alone right so oh. it really did feel like we were playing all the time and really uh you know 119 in the 365 you're you're almost playing a, a gig every every three days that and that's what oh. it felt like and it was grueling but just around that period even the the year before 2008 was something like 90 shows and stuff like that 2007 50 shows and then we were like yeah just all throughout the years we'd always always tour every single year we toured um but 2000 and well here we go i can just start explaining it we do this record right and we go to europe and we're selling this cdr right this is our first european tour um and we're an improv band and you might you can definitely see the video it's called beatings right and if you type it into youtube and you put beatings action beat yeah uh the guy harry taylor uh in our band he was playing violin on this tour actually uh he put together this kind of i think it's about 40 minutes documentary about that first European tour, oh wow, okay. which was crazy, yeah. and 
to me, you know, it was the first European tour I had booked ever. And it was really intimidating to book it, but I persisted and I went every single day and I was working on it every single day. And where, where did you play then? I had to. What what countries? Can you remember the countries? Yeah, so we played. Yeah, man, yeah. Uh, we got a gig in Holland, right? Our first gig was in Nijmegen, right? Yeah, been there. Our second one was at 301 in Amsterdam. Have you been there? Nijmegen, yeah, I've been to Nijmegen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I loved it, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Had a friend studying there and he, he invited me over for like a weekend and it was great, yeah. it's cool man yeah so we we played in Nijmegen we went to Amsterdam uh played shows in Germany and we played some shows in France as well right on that on that first European tour I can't remember did we get down to Spain on that I don't think we did I don't think we got down to Spain um basically I needed to get a van together right and get us all out there I'd finally booked the tour and I had to get a van sorted, right? And back then, I don't know, we're all these, just these young kids with really crap jobs. Like we're working in Pizza Hut and stuff like that. Yeah. Some of us are students. Some of us are working like part-time. I don't even remember what my job was at the time. Maybe I worked. No, I definitely didn't work at Southern anymore, but my job was crap, put it that way. It was definitely crap, whatever I was doing. Or maybe I was even at college. 2005 yeah so anyway i get this european tour together and um i have to get a van that is reliable enough that we can afford now to afford it as a small band as the people that are on this record which there's like five people action beat i was like that's not going to work because one there's some shows that we're not guaranteed any money yeah and two, if we split this huge cost of this van between five people we're not going to afford it on our mickey mouse wages so what i thought was right well the the van can hold nine people <laughs> the van can hold nine people i know my friends will want to tour and see Europe, right? Yeah. So I was like, if anyone wants to come on tour, right, just chip in to come in on the tour, right? You get to see Europe for the first time, guys, and you get to come and create some noise rock with Action Beat, right, on on the tour. Come, right? So I filled the van up with, yeah, there's nine of us. <laughs> so it was there's just kind of like recruiting. Like three drummers recruiting like a some extra members into the to the band for money for money <clears throat> is that bad i don't know but anyway it was a happy accident because when we got to nymagen and um we're in this van and we got to nymagen and i unloaded the van and all of our equipment always took up the whole street, you know, when we unloaded it from the van. We got to Nijmegen and we, we, we go downstairs and we set up and there's like three drum kits, right? 
uh, there's just a wall of amps. Right? There's like three guitarists, the bassist, the baritone player, and a bloody violinist. And we play, right? We're improvising, you know, we're improvising our standard. Um, it's not standard, it's noise rock, right? We're, we're improvising our noise rock. And just the brutality coming from this nine-piece nine band now. It was phenomenal. It really was. And I remember the guy, he was like, we were like, how's it sound, mate? You know, how's it sound? And he's like, well, he's going, it's a lot of sound. You know, he's like, can you please come down? And we were like, nah, mate, if anything, it's going to go up, you know? And we were, we were kind of that attitude. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was the tour, man. You know, a lot of people either really liked us on that tour uh or they despised us definitely we were oh, really? at this period in our in our life because the yeah because the improvisation could either go either way but a lot of people really digged us man and playing every day we were kind of getting more in tune with the idea of oh we can just focus on that idea uh every single evening we, we can we can replicate the idea from the previous night okay yeah so it was getting it was getting easier to do that um came back and then we immediately go into a uk tour with a bank called destructive swarm bots right um that's a uk tour with a two-piece uh it's a long story um but it's eventually how i meet my wife at the time actually her name's bianca she came over from with destructo swarm bots a whole massive story but we're touring with them uh and afterwards in on that tour we're definitely getting more notice and attention from the uk underground right people yeah. are starting to know who actually are uh we're on myspace at the time mm. and our plays are definitely blowing up uh and we've got tracks like uh more hooky and maximum bletchy we add to those songs and eventually on myspace i'm just sat there one night and i get this email it's not an email but it was the comments right remember the comments on myspace yeah so he said you're like i don't know uh, he's uh, so i get this comment and it's from southern records and it says um Oh, nice, you know, nice tunes that you recorded at our studio, like this. Are they interested in us? So this, I show Carney, and I show my friend Taylor, uh, show everyone that's involved in the band at this point, Webb, you know, everyone, look, you know, Southern Records and wrote this. And I was like, you know, I'm quite an audacious person, I say, right? And I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to email them gonna email them and be like can you sign us i had already worked for them years before yeah right <laughs> i'm like i'm gonna email them now as action beat right and i'm gonna say can you sign us can you, can you put us out allison can you put us out and i audaciously do this and i send this email and she gets back and she's like right well we like what we've heard from and are you a serious band you know and she wanted to know she was like are you a serious band are you going to tour and have you got these ideas to, to tour and are you going to sell records and are, you're not just going to 
record a record and then and then give up or whatever and i'm yeah. i'm young at the time and i'm thinking i'm like of course no questions i'm like we're gonna fucking tour to the death you know i was like take a risk on us take a chance and blah 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 and she's like right i'll come and watch you in uh london and so she came and we played and i remember the gig and i, I always i didn't think we were that good that night i was i always remember i was really nervous i had to drive down the the van that night i was really nervous that she was there uh i'm like i'm like that i think with performance if i know someone's there to watch me and then yeah analyze and all analyze me i'm like it gets me a little bit yeah like i'm a teacher for instance and when i know there's someone there to observe every single minute detail that i'm you know engaging with it it really it really gets me so that's how i felt that night uh but they really liked it allison and damien at the time and then they said right send we'll come down don to uh where was it hornsey it was hornsey come down to hornsey southern studios and we'll go over it all right now at the time i was in america because i was seeing bianca um and I was just over it. I was in New York for some shit. And so I sent Lewis Webb and James Carney to go to Southern Studios to kind of engage in this contract. <laughs> and I'm laughing about it, man, because I don't know. I was at the time. I was. I was. I, I really respected Southern. That's number one. I want to make that very clear straight away i really respected southern i had yeah. worked for them and i knew exactly what they were about but also at this time i'm now thinking i'm fucking do or die diy don mcclain i'm do or die diy very nervous about our band like, i am i'm nervous i'm like one of these people that's not very good at delegating responsibility and shit and i'm like so i set set out to them i'm like right guys like, it's got it'll be 50 50 do a die dear why it's got to be 50 yeah. 50. it's like don't sign anything you know and uh you know make sure that with publishing and blah 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 and make tell them that we want to still play squats right we want to play diy squats and there's no chance that we're just going to sign to an agency and we want to be our own managers and stuff like this yep. so i send them with all this information they went down there and only they really know what happened in the meeting but they said it was all well and good and Alison, damien and that just kind of had nothing but good things to say about it and there was never any there was never any like, oh, you have to sign a contract anyway with them. There was none, none of that anywhere. It was just me making stuff up in my mind yes. that I wanted our band to adhere to, right? You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was my, it was more than a band to me. It was like, I want this to be my life. So make sure mm. that you go down there with a good deal. Even though mm. I knew it was going to be a good deal because it was Southern Records. I was just like very protective of it. And I was like, so it was a lot for me to hand this responsibility to them. Anyway, they went there, and for all the stories they tell me, they were absolutely static, and they were just running around the street, ran to the, the nearest boozer they could, and they were celebrating wildly. 
uh, about the fact that we were going to be signed to Southern Records, right? So it was brilliant, man. I mean, it was like we were these kids that were really obsessed with Southern. And, you know, I worked for them. And I'm going to tell, tell you the truth, right? I, just, I quit one time. It was, it was, it was part-time. I wasn't getting enough money. And yeah. I quit, right? I was like, fuck this, right? And Alison was like, I remember, and she, if she ever listens to this, okay, I'm sorry, Alison. She mailed me and she was like, well done. I did take uh, a chance on you working with Southern Studios and we're glad you worked in the warehouse, but you just quit on us. And uh, I want you to know the opportunity you've wasted. And I'm like, I understand wow. the opportunity I've wasted, but I'm also someone that needs to earn more money than fucking 70 pounds a week or whatever I was getting at the time, right? So that's what happened with Southern, right? Before we got signed. And I remember Rick at the time, my dad saying to me, he goes, <laughs> he's like, so you quit Southern? And I was like, yeah, dad, you know, it was like, it wasn't enough money. He goes, hey, well, that'll be the last of that relationship then, son. I'll never have anything to do with you again. I remember sitting there thinking, well, he's right. You know, they won't. Yeah. yeah. You burnt that then fast, fast forward a few years later and they're signing me now. And I was like, yes, it was good. Well, there and you then go. <laughs> she, she kind of, she, she never even kind of remembered that I went there anyway. It was funny talking about it later. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, it was cool, man. It's just such a weird fucking story. Like it was like at the time, it was so cool because the IY underground scene was small, and it was mm. cool, and we all supported each other. So we went on to Southern, and we had recorded there before, right? Mm. We'd recorded about five songs before on two separate CDRs. I've got the other CDR. I just have to find it. I can't. I don't think I can be. It's going to take ages for me to locate this stuff. But anyway, this was our first proper record on Southern, on Southern Records, right? Wow. Now, really, we wanted to be on Southern Records. We did. But whatever reason, Alison and Damien at the time had decided that it wasn't going to be Sunrake, it was going to be, uh, you can see their Truth Cult. Okay, uh, yeah. It's a very small logo. But they had this idea that they were going to call it Truth Cult. And it says on the back, you know, Truth Cult, PO Box 59, London, England. It says, manufactured and distributed by Southern Records. So whatever, we were still on there, and they were very nice to us. And they supported us in everything we did. And... They said, right, you can have, they gave us three days of free studio. And if you can see on the CD, uh, it was at Southern Studios. And this is Harvey Burrell, who engineered uh, all of our records up until this point. Now, Harvey really hates this CD. And looking back now, I hate the CD as well. The cover? But these are the kind of stupid mistakes. <laughs> the kind of print on the. These CD, are the yeah. kind of stupid mistakes, actually. No, just the, just the, just the photo. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it does look a bit. Harvey hates. Harvey hates it. 
Looks a bit weird, yeah. Just I, like <laughs> just like a portrait of him. Yeah, like, here's why, my uh, right? recording desk. So yeah. this first record was just filled with problems, right? and mm. uh, I guess I I guess I'll explain. But um, we 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 record it, okay, and Burrell records it. And they gave us three days uh, to do it. So it was two days, yeah, two days improvising, one day uh, mix that he was going to do. Okay. Maybe they gave us four. I can't even remember. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I should, it, when, if we get all of our guys together one day, they'll definitely fill all the holes in this story. And they're listening now and thinking, Don, you're fucking it up. But I don't care, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm giving you my recollection, okay? So here we go, right? This was our, our record. Uh, they gave us four days to do it and we did it and we had to get the the artwork together okay so um the artwork we wanted to convey the idea that we were this nine piece like gigantic band um from bletchley right from milton Keynes or bletchley so on the front it's called the actual album's called the noise band from bletchley now that comes from the idea that at the start of our gigs i would say to the audience hello we are action beat the noise band from bletchley and then it was our cue to just like tear into this track yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so there we go right that's the that's the cd the vinyl's much better actually but um the photo okay the photo this is a dinosaur a huge sculpture uh, of a triceratops in Milton Keynes, right? Oh, and right. It's our friend thing. Ryan Bill, yeah, our friend Ryan Billings, his dad, Bill Billings, built this dinosaur illegally, right? A triceratops. It was his piece of art, and he built it illegally in Milton Keynes. Wow. And it's always just stood there. And the council were like, it's so good that we're just going to leave it, right? And uh, Bill was really proud of his work. We were really proud of Bill's work, uh, of the dinosaur. Everyone in Milton Keynes knows what the dinosaur is, right? They do. They've all seen it, right? So the other reference uh, to being outside is to the early generator gigs, right? To the early Christmas Day generator gigs. That's why we're outside. Um, the shirts off shit is something that developed at our early gigs, but I remember it was uh, that fucking tank gig, and everyone in the the room just kind of lost their mind. It's on the that fucking tank album actually, but in the room at Bletchley Leisure Centre, everyone kind of lost their minds, and every every man in the room at least, right uh was half naked and dancing around that fucking tank so it just became this kind of oh. ritualized thing uh i just Bletchley i just thought it was because because it. you were and it was, you were getting hot or something it's like you know it's just uh take the top off because you because you're sweating this, like bastards it, and so <laughs> it was this kind of thing as well that it was from the gigs everyone was doing that but it also came from as i said the noise rock of the time uh with pink and brown and aids wolf 
and lightning bolt etc there was almost a semi-naked part to it and where people would just get literally too hot within the room that they would have to take off their clothes right and fugazi yeah. uh frequently did this which was an inspiration uh to us i never liked the the shirts off stuff because i was never like and eh, no, i'm not like this hunky cut man <laughs> and uh you know at the time i definitely drunk so i had a beer belly and things like that and yeah. uh, a lot of us did if you even look in the photos right it's like not like we have anything to be proud of um little bassist man up here uh as you said the oh, shirt yeah. off guy infamous, right? he, he's yeah. just all, yeah he's just always done but the the whole shirt soft thing was definitely kind of in reference to our gigs what would happen at bletchley leisure center if things got really wild and the band uh, usa is a monster used to always talk about this when they would come over they'd go yeah shirts off bletchley right and uh, you know that <laughs> was right. the cue for everyone to get wild looking back on it now i'm just kind of like you know it was a bit too you know it's 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 easy to be a a 39 well, I'm almost 39, but a 39-year-old teacher with a master's looking back at our youth and thinking, oh, it was this kind of rambunctious male tribal shit going on. Yeah. Uh, white yeah. male, tribal, small town, uh, not very... Not that it wasn't inclusive of gender or race or um marginalized people but i needed to make i wish i could have gone back now right and made more of an effort to open the bletchley spaces to that right because mm. looking back mm. now i'm seeing just all these white males with their shirts off yeah jumping around in a room to white male noise rocky music um, and even though we had female performers and stuff, I wish I could just go back and, um, and definitely put in more effort there. That's a, that's a regret of mine. Not that you should have regrets in life and stuff, but it's just definitely that, something that, I think that, about. That just seemed to be um, the, the, de the demographic, yeah. didn't it? That that style of music. It, used, it just seems to be just like young white male. Uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know why that's yeah. the case. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I know. Um, and I don't know, like now, like the music I buy or even that I subscribe to and stuff, it's just a lot of female electronic musicians that I'm, I'm just really into. It's just like, mm. I just think they're so brilliant. And, uh, you know, if I'm promoting shows now, I would be moving towards that sort of environment rather than a white male rock band like i'm not i'm not as interested as in that as i was uh when i was doing this stuff right and it's just mm. interesting for me now i've lived in new york city for 11 years and i'm an educator and stuff it's just interesting for me to look back on it and, and analyze it and stuff and a lot of it was just a, a rambunctious um male early youth definitely too much alcohol and um little bit of um other stuff and um you know, you know. probably just like you they're all your mates but it well, was so um it's like a big fucking just like party yeah almost. yeah, yeah the, the the 
I just remember the that fucking tank gig and like some of the Oxes gigs. It was they were just wild. Like we, the place, the Bletchley Leisure Centre. Um, we had this bar, this backroom bar, right? And you know, I'd been doing gigs there for years, but we had this guy called Joshua McAdoo, right? He was the he was the manager, and he was allowing me to do gigs free, and being really cool about it. But then people would just get pissed and, and we ended up smashing the wooden banister <laughs> apart at a gig because we were just too wild throwing each other around and, and just like so crazy. And it's like, looking back, <laughs> looking back now, like if I had turned up as a 39 year old man to watch the Oxes yeah. at my 23 year old show right and i saw my friends acting like that and i was this 39 year old man i'd be standing at the getting the hell out of here as soon as this is finished <laughs> i don't know but you know that's what it was so um so that's that's why the cover looks like that is 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 i think because it was the it was just the 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 feeling and the environment at off the time mm. especially in my small group of tight-knit friends and um people in the diy community oh in the uk definitely knew what that was about yeah yeah i think there's um so there's a lot to cover isn't there so it's a a long lifespan but i wanted to ask you what what do you think is what what is the kind of uh the longevity of the band what what has kind of kept it ticking along uh do you think uh, yeah okay yeah 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 so um definitely um do this record right it's called the noise band from from bletchley and to be honest it just gets even worse with kind of how we want to shock people with our records and what we want to do and we end up with this record which is really bad and naughty uh, i don't know if you can see that uh, this is the uh, 30, thirty years of hurt. Then Oz cunts exploded. This, this, <laughs> is it that no, no. <laughs> I love that name. That's the first one. That's the first CD. That's, great... That's the second CDR. This is the first CDR. The next then... one's the is that record with that record title. Yeah, really offensive title. Then it's uh, Noise Band from Bletchley. Then it's this one called Beatings, which is just my friend uh, backstage. Oh, shit. Oh, no, I can see that now, yeah. Over his, his penis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, just with a ban- yeah, just with a banana over his penis, uh, which we thought was funny and we thought um, was ridiculous to put on a record that was being put out by Southern Records. We thought it was ridiculous. We knew it was ridiculous. We knew it was offensive. We knew that it was going to upset people and we knew exactly what we were doing with this southern record said yeah we're gonna have to sell it with our sticker over uh the and we said yep do it and i don't know i think southern at the time were just like yeah do whatever you want did you but get really, the uh, parental like the, advisory the thing of... no it was just a sticker that went over the guy's uh uh banana cock right oh. and um <laughs> but inside it really it really does show you what the band was becoming and why i thought we were such a powerful band right it was just mm. this instrumental 
noise rock with like two or three drummers uh really good um so after that uh, um look you know 2010 is the last tour that we do where it's 11 weeks long right 2010 was the last tour we did no mm. it was two yeah 2010 it was it was the last one we did it was it was 11 weeks long absolutely grueling absolutely brutal uh you change as a man when you're on an 11 well and for me it was 10 weeks right but the guys were on there for 11 weeks uh um you change as a person when you're subjected to it that long man and it's it's fucking punishing man we were on floors uh some nights some nights we were in squats which could be a part of dante's inferno man like the the worst places on earth right uh mm. sometimes we're staying with really weird fucked up characters you just don't know where you're going to end up the tours mm. were brutal right um mm. uh, even in europe sometimes you were you, you had really good uh conditions uh for action b we could just never get ahead with that stuff people just like to kind of be like right action b can handle anything we can subject them to anything uh they don't need a pa they don't need a rider we can pay them this mickey mouse money it was yeah. just getting a lot man um 2010 i came over here uh got married had a kid and just moving forward after that there was a period from with action beat from about 2011 to about 2014 i just really just didn't like the band um I was in America, the band were in the UK and uh, I would fly over for these tours that I would put together. Sometimes members could come, sometimes they couldn't. One tour we did, we were a four piece, which I did like and everything. It was in Spain, I did like, but it was like the band wasn't as reliable as it once was. It was like the youth had gone, right? Definitely yeah. from about 2011 to 14. And uh, we just didn't do any records that I was really proud of. Uh, we did this one record that was put out as a metal kind of LP. And it's okay and everything, but it wasn't anything I was really proud of. Um, and we had had this instrumental record that we had recorded in New York. The guys had all come over for my 30th birthday. Uh, a few of them actually some uh, we did this recording i had this instrumental record that uh, i'd sat on forever and from this whole period i'm not enjoying the band i'm just not it just feels like we meet up as friends to go on this band holiday it doesn't feel like a professional band it doesn't feel like this is my life anymore it just feels like kind of fucking drudging through it for the sake of it to still exist yeah and I wanted something inspiring, man. So we had this record that I'd made in New York. And I said, you know what? I'd like to get some vocals on it. And I sat around and I have these weird ideas. And I'm not embarrassed. And I don't care about emailing people my ideas, right? I, I never have. So I knew that GW Sock from the X had left the X. I knew he had left. The same guy at the tortoise gig that we saw and then my 
guy's fucking appendix exploded. So I emailed Yoss from the X and I was like, Yoss, hello, I'm a big fan. Uh, we've got this record. Would you sing on a couple of tracks, right? Would you sing on a couple of tracks? Here's 10 songs, but would you sing on a couple of tracks? And he listens and he's like, yeah, I've heard a few. I've heard of H&B. Um, I'll have a listen and I'll get back to you. So he does. And about a week later, he's like, really love it. Uh, I'm going to try and sing on all 10 songs. I was like, holy shit. So he did. And we ended up with this record with uh, the singer from the X in our band, right? In wow. Action Beat. And I was yeah. just like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, Yoss from the X. That was released as a double 10 inch record, right? Um, God, I just kind of remember the dates like 2015, I think, 14, 15. And then we have Yoss in the band, right, as our singer. Do some more European tours with him. And it's just like, I don't know, it's just breathing a fresh air into the into the the band now. We're like an instrumental band who have now got a singer. Uh, someone that we really admire. Uh, we love this guy, you know. And we, with Yoss, have achieved what I really wanted to achieve with, with Action Beat. And that is touring the whole of the USA. So in 2016, uh, we did 23 straight dates um, from the East Coast all the way down to the South, up the Midwest, Chicago, and then across. And that's when we did our last record, actually. It's called um, The World Is Fucked. Um, God. <laughs> So how was it? How was it touring the states with uh, Action Beat? Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, was it good? No. Where's it called? The world is fucked, but I feel fine. There you go, Yoss. Right, I did remember it. Right, we recorded that in Providence. The states, yeah, is incredible. To be honest, um, look, we had, we've toured around Europe so often from. 2007 to 2014 or whatever it was every single year twice a year all the time europe 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 we're so used to it everyone knew us in europe in france we were on a, an agency uh, and we were getting to the point where we were quite big in france right it was just like getting a real real standard kind of i just had this desire where i was like i want to tour the states like, it's always something i wanted to do I lived here, you know, I was living here. And I was like, I gotta get the band to come over, man. Really difficult, yeah, getting them over, right? Now I'm allowed to tour because uh, I'm a citizen, right? So it's my yeah. band, I take all the money. But, you know, if they get any shit coming in, right, it's up to the custom guy, right? Even though they're allowed to come and play in my band, it's just like, you know, it's just those uncomfortable things about touring the States. It was really cool and, uh, you know, I've got to say, Rick, um, the experience, off the south for us was good because we are white and british and male and everything so we had to take yeah. that into consideration um but they were really friendly to us and we of course had a great time we met some really messed up people down <laughs> in in uh, north carolina the guy cleaning the bar had like two 
guns in his holsters, right? And he was showing us uh, an M16 machine gun and stuff like that. So it was times like that. Okay. Um, you know, and you're just like, you're like, holy shit, you know, you're a white man and uh, this is privileged because the guy's showing you the fucking gun instead of pointing it at you. Yeah. But you, we had a good time well in, in, Amer- in America. <laughs> and it was it was nice in the underground, to be honest. It was nice. And I think people appreciated us. And the West Coast tour, we did um, three years later in 2019 we've done a few tours in between uk ones and i guess this is getting to the end of my story man but it's the 2019 do a west coast tour with a band that i'm friends with in new york city called opening bell yos comes with us and i drove the van from new york all the way over to san diego with our equipment and stuff guys were meeting us on the way and stuff i was picking up guys in colorado some people came with me from new york picked them up in colorado uh we stay in vegas it was just such an experience so cool a lot of driving gareth from uh us nails and silent front actually came with us he was the drummer and i don't know it was a really good tour yeah it was like it wasn't as well attended as the east and the south but it was nice to be on the West Coast and just the beautiful scenery and uh, whoever did come out still really appreciated Action Beat. And uh, mm. I know that we're still a good band. Right? People do think of us as this early 2000s shirts off, literally fucking idiots whatever and and that we're done and 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 we're finished but i, I don't i haven't felt like that i, I feel like it's quite, it's quite an evolution isn't it band. we've got if you think about it like where you yeah, came from got, where, how you started we've, and... got, we've gone from kids to uh grown adults now and um you know i've got all this stuff behind me and uh you know i actually put out these days it's like my own stuff. It's electronic. Um, it's called Dream Skills, and it's electronic stuff that I make with uh, the machines behind me, etc. I'm really just into. I always have been, but more deeper exploration into electronic music comes from the fact that I live in New York City as well. It's very tight, confined spaces. To even have a band like Action Beat in New York City would be expensive just due to all the equipment store in places so this just yeah. kind of fits into my tiny apartments now and it's just the music that i've been working on for for a long time but saying that i'm still really yearning um to get back out there and and do a new action beat record and the only thing that's really slowed us down and stopped us has been the pandemic which yeah. totally has destroyed or decimated many bands it's kind of put many bands on a forced hiatus that they weren't expecting mm. and we've always hated the year of hiatus or even the word to me the fact that fugazi are on such a long hiatus breaks my heart I'm like, i want them to come back now i'm gonna be brutally honest with you for me like i'm very serious about bands and legacies and 
and bands should be progressing and moving forward. So I'm at the stage where we just did the USA, we've done it, right? And the last show we played was in Los Angeles, right? And after that, said goodbye to each other. I drove all the equipment home to New York and those guys went to England. I didn't think that's the end, but the fucking pandemic <laughs> is here. It's the worst, man. I don't, and I'm thinking, when are we touring again? And I'm saying this to my friend and I'm like, what are we going to do? You know, Action Beat has to tour. It's like, it's one of those bands. It has to. Otherwise, it has to die. I, I can't mm. continue keeping it alive if it's on the hiatus. I can't do it. So me, I'm like, it's legendary. If the last gig's in LA, that's nice and legendary. And I can still picture the palm trees, right? And I can picture the, the sun <laughs> down the boulevards of LA and I can see us all and we, we said goodbye and there's a photo of us all together and stuff. But then my friend, James Carney, who I've been in the band with since 2004, he's like, no, it'll open up again and, um, and we'll record at Steve Albini's and we'll still go... So we have these discussions about, can we still do it? Are we still relevant and stuff like this? So the very thing that is the call to the band that is gigging and touring has forcibly been, yeah, you know, put to a halt. Do yeah, you... because I'll, yeah, go on. So, so like it's kind of, it's kind of put for the first time in your history of a band, it's really putting into question like, can this band keep going, you know, like you said, it's like an ex existential crisis. Yeah. You know? We, we get, <laughs> yeah, we get together on, um, zoom, you know, and we, we've always been this instrument. We're an instrumental band right? and we, um, we improvise, right. We've got a singer recently, but we're an improvisation band. We're, that's how we, we get tight by touring together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just knowing each other from, from for, for such a long time, right? That, that's that's real. The real reason. If anyone young's out there and want to get into a decent band, right? Get your friends together and become tight that way, and then develop your music that way, and mm. play lots of gigs, and you'll you'll get the the tight connection. That's what I think we always had when we were on our nine week tours. We'd be ferociously tight. It was ridiculous. It was like fucking mind reading. Um. So yeah, now. Um, the fact that we cannot tour um, is really playing on my mind and we get together on Zoom, etc. and we question and we're like, when do you think we'll ever tour again? You know, or is that it? They say to me, you know, is that it, Don? Is that finally the end of that action it, that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And then, like, it's so funny because I was just, you know, I was just, We've been talking about Mogwai and stuff, and I'm like, they're longevity. They've so like been 20, able to do it 25 years, I think they've been together. 25 years, and yeah. they're number one. Finally, and, they've um, made, they've done it. Yeah. It's fucking yeah, brilliant. Man. I'm like, it is. It's so good, and I'm so proud, and uh, I'm glad they did it, and I'm glad they got to number one. But um, I was just like, I don't know, Carney. Can we do. Could could can we do that? I don't know. Can we do that, or should we do that? Are we? We're not even anything like Mogwai. We we're like Mogwai's just stayed on the same trajectory, didn't they? And uh, they had a very consistent run out. 
Now we've also been making noise rock music that long, but I don't know. So it was just it was a very interesting thing for me to think about this band, mm. British band with such longevity, and I was comparing my own story to theirs. Now they're much more professional than we ever were, mm. but I wanted. I kind of wanted to make it my life. I did when I was a kid. I did, definitely did want to make it my life. And uh, now I'm at the stage where I'm thinking, pandemic has to end for it to continue. Yeah. And if yeah. the pandemic continues to decimate the music industry and stuff, then how do bands like us even survive? And even no, in no, two no, more it years, if it, it does reopen, it's never going to end, man. Like. It, the gigs gigs and that will they'll they will start again and you know because yeah because the desire that is always there isn't it that that passion that that kind of dedication to to live music yeah i feel i do really feel sorry for the youth uh and my friends and i who play in action beat were kind of gutted that we can't tour and everything you know i've, I've toured every single year since i was 21 i'm 39 in august right wow. so the past two years 20 tw yeah 2020 and 2021 i couldn't do any touring uh i'm really gutted about it but i said to my friend god you know at least we got to live it when we were kids imagine being in a, a young band now and this happening to you you've got this desire to get out there with your, with your energy and your creativity and express yourself to the world and you're being held back by it it's like mm very tough i just really kind yeah. of feel sorry for their generation and i hope it comes back soon yeah. yeah now yeah i'm really interested and i want to move forward uh with the band and i want to uh continue to to work at it and everything and I've, I've, i do have ideas i've got this desire and a niche to get back in the van and get back to touring but also saying that at the same time we did achieve a lot and I'm really proud of it. And the last gig was in LA. <laughs> and that's better than say, we carry on and become uninspired again. And our last gig end up being somewhere like Luton or Bedford, <laughs> which it could be. And I'd be really upset about that. And I don't know. I don't know even. I don't even know what I'm trying to say anymore. It's just I'm. I'm always thinking about this band. I've been obsessed with it since uh, I started playing in it. And yeah, God, it's my life. But you know, maybe at the same last time, show would change, be would be you know uh, would be Bletchley. You know, coming home, and uh, you know, I think it has to be that. Get all your mates there. Get everybody there from from like the early noughties and just. Have a big fucking blowout, and then I'd have to get that fucking tank to reform for it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I would get bilge pump there and, uh, and all of that. Um, yeah, and at the same time, I'm just kind of like I don't even maybe like that idea either. I liked I don't know if you know about Big Black, but the Big Black bassist um, eventually said no, it wasn't the but it was uh, Santiago, right? The, the the other guitarist, and he said he wanted to become a lawyer and he was like i had enough of just sleeping on the floors and i wanted to become this lawyer so steve albini knew he was going to have the last tour and he booked all these tours just like i booked all my own tours and stuff 
and he'd be mailing around the world, <laughs> auctioning off the last big black toy, you know, around the world. And they did that last tour knowing that they were going to put an end to it and stuff. And I think, I think I'd be too sad about it. Hmm. Yeah. Getting yeah. to that last gig, I'd be too sad about it. It'd be like a relative dying. So, yeah. I don't know. It's still going. We 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 were we were put in our tracks by uh, the the bastard coronavirus. So I just wanted to. Uh, <laughs> so I um, hope it gets back for everyone. Yeah, man. Last sort of question: um, three records off the top of your head that changed your life or had like a huge impact on your life. Um, I mean, obviously we we talked about the new Mogwai album, uh, but something. Yeah. Maybe a record it's, that it's, got you through like a really dark period of your life or it just like really gave you hope or, you know, just. To... Yeah. Um, God, you know, three records. It's just, it's so, it's, it's, it's so difficult for me to really answer, but I guess I'll try. I mean, and it's always going to change mm. and there's more mm. things, um, different genres, etc. But the first record that really got me along the action beat lines and just the first time I saw them playing guitars and stuff was, was Sonic Youth and, and the record uh, was was Sister, right? I really like the song Schizophrenia, okay? Because, um, you know, Sonic Youth, they're not, they're not this macho band, right? They're like, cool art band really sonic yeah. intensity i like that so the sonic assault is there but the macho-ness is gone which i always appreciate i really love that kim gordon was the singer i just found them so cool that they were from new york etc so the sister was what informed my playing when mm. i first got into that maybe i'm about 15 mm. uh, so that record definitely um Definitely up there, that one, sister. And seeing Thursday uh, Moore, Lee Ronaldo, just the way they play guitar. So that's my kids moving the basket. It's all right. Um, big black atomizer, right? You know, God, the the frequencies on the record and what he does with harmonics, uh, Steve Albini, and the Roland drum machine, which I loved. Okay. Uh, really did a lot for me that record about Amizer. I'm just I'm just gonna go for my guitar stuff because if I start waffling on about my electronic influences, I'll be here all day. But my guitar stuff, I'm thinking, and I guess I'm just gonna have to throw. It's the the X and Fugazi. It's so hard. I, yeah, I, know, I know I'm supposed. Know free, I'm free supposed. It's tricky, but. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm glad you asked it. I'm supposed to throw the X in there. I am because they're so important for my life. And, you know, I play in a band with Yoss now. Uh, Yoss plays in two bands with me, right? He's just on, he's on the Oma record as well, which is just out. Um, and he's the singer in that as well. So I play yeah. in two bands with Yoss. I've got to pick the X. Uh, the records start as alternators that I would pick. But I guess more importantly, it's got to be Fugazi. It's got to be Fugazi. My three yeah. records, Sonic Youth, 
sister. Let me, let me show you something. One second. <laughs> <laughs> just got it. <sighs> yeah, just got it. Ah, the reissue with the red vinyl, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Just got it. Yeah. Uh, 13 songs. So I used to work at, yeah, I used to work at Southern Studios. So I would just be picking all that stuff all the time when I was a kid. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, that was, that's. No, a, I love that yeah, record. Yeah, that album is still my favorite. Like, I mean. And you, you guys in, yeah, you guys in Wigan were big into uh, that kind of DIY. I always remember when I went and played in Wigan. Uh, yeah, I knew yeah. that you guys were into the Discord sort of. DIY, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I we were very lucky. We we're very yeah. fortunate to have a lot of the kind of, like you say, uh, USA is a monster. Oxes, um, Duracell. Um, do you remember Duracell? The little mad uh, French yeah, yeah, guy yeah. <laughs> on the. Uh, it's like like a lightning yeah, bolt man, cover man. band, <laughs> but just one dude. Um, yeah, man. He came to he, he came to Bletchley as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, yeah. I feel oh. like we were we were one of the places to go. You know, like weirdly, it's like this little shitty, fucking mining town in there. People wanted to come and play. Yeah, but yeah, it was. You had that. Um, you had that venue with like three stories, didn't you? Yeah, the um, tavern. I remember playing yeah. there with USA as a monster. It's now sadly. Right. Uh, sadly we stayed closed. with a call. Didn't... Mm. We stayed with a really cool guy that night, and um, he had some banging homegrown. I don't. I always remember that man. Uh, he did. <laughs> Us in the USA is a monster. Yeah, yeah Wigan, I that think was a he probably show, stayed yeah. here. To be honest, I, everybody stayed in this house at that time. It was like touring bands were coming through. Um, yeah. Parts and Labour stayed yeah. here, and um, obviously the boys from the boys from Brighton as well, like Charlotte Field and. Uh, you know, I had Barney on like Epidemic yeah. and all that. They were all coming up here as well and playing. Did you put a lot of people up in your house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All every band that played stayed here because it's a big. We've got a huge fucking house, yeah. it's like massive. So we just right. Yeah, and and like the venues are like a five minute walk from 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 the house. So my parents are just so chill. Yeah, <laughs> like all these fucking random bands just yeah staying over it was cool man but um that's nice man my uh my parents weren't chill about it like my 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 dad uh i've done the, the impersonations about it but i remember i went to him i was putting on the x when i was a kid and i was like dad can uh the x stay at the house you know dad and he's like what a punk band Staying in my house, like <laughs> this, and I'm like, Dad, <laughs> I'm like, Dad, they're your age, don't worry about it, they ain't gonna rob anything off you. He's like, I'm no trusting any punk sleeping in my house while I'm sleeping <laughs> in the same house. Find somewhere else to, to put them, put them at a hotel. So I was like, I can't afford the hotel, so I had to go and beg the youth club to put them up, which they did. But then saying that, Rick, actually, my parents later on, they did get divorced. And my mum's not going to want to hear this if she's listening to the podcast, but we had an empty house for years. 
for years mm. after. Mm. Um, and when I was doing the gigs, you know, hundreds of people stayed at my house <laughs> in the <laughs> DIY community. And, uh, you know, my mum, my mum definitely knows this, but yeah, people from all over America came and stayed at my house. I had people from all over Europe, everyone in Britain. Joe from Bilge Pump likes to talk about the Bletchley omelette because when he came to our house, my brother would always make him a nice cheese omelette and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> we oh, had, great, great. We had fuck buttons stayed over my house. Lo loads of people, fuck buttons came over to our house and just like, you know, and my house was cool back in the day. It was really nice. It was nice, nice to have. A... It's nice to just chill with people. Like they're playing like this harsh noise and then the next day you're just having a cup of tea with them. Like, you know, yeah having a full english or something just yeah <laughs> just normal people at the end of the day i, I always know. liked i liked to be able to give a band a nice comfortable place to stay which they always got when they came to stay at my house which was in windmill hill not kings and uh they always got a really nice place to stay which i wanted to do and mm. i wanted to cook food for them and I wanted them to get an experience that Action Beat got in Europe, really. Well, most of, most of the time in Europe, I wanted them to get that experience. So that became an integral to what I did as a DIY promoter, was making sure bands felt comfortable and they'd come to our house and it was good. Mm, mm, and that was it. Yeah. Um, yeah, nowadays I'm just in New York and I'm like, I'm a teacher and I've got a 10 year old kid and I'm like, Senior on the bags, making electronic the, uh, music. I really levering the shit out of the bags. <laughs> I wanted, to, yeah. I've been, I've, I've been doing that for eight years. You know, God, when I when I had a kid, I was like, I need to get fit. Uh, I need to stop doing all the bad things I've been doing to my body for years in my twenties and on tour. I'm going to detox myself by boxing, and so I did that. Uh, just during the pandemic, actually, I've been. I picked up a skateboard and started skateboarding around at 38 years old. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? But uh, it's a way to get out every day. I'm quite like an energetic sort of, and I've probably yeah, got ADHD, to... you know, I just yeah. need to get out. And so that's, that's what I do. Got a new record coming out with this stuff actually. And, and that's about it, man. I'm like, I'm desperate to get back on tour. And yeah. as I said, if I can't get back on tour soon, I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I moved to being more of a studio musician or do I do those I live, the live idea streams of not being able to... those the live stream gigs I hate doesn't, that shit that man. just doesn't nah it just doesn't yeah. work is it? it's like ugh, it's too it's not the same man you need no. you need the 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 energy don't you from the gig you know yeah. what it is because yeah and when you're there and it's like you can feed off each other and it's like fucking um like a tribal kind of feeling you're never gonna you're never gonna get that from the, the internet and being on your phones etc so i don't think i can do that um i know in new york city a lot of people were doing stuff outside during the pandemic last year so i think in the summer i might start doing my generator stuff again actually i might get a generator and go down to the park with one of these guys which is uh, a modular synthesizer and it can make a ton of good noise I just get a speaker a uh, powered speaker and a generator and just start playing gigs that way i guess if it has to be like that it has to be like that because 
Uh, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds corny and cliche and cheesy, but the idea of not playing live gigs, I'm like, what's, what's the fucking point of life? Honestly, I'm like, what, what is the point? It's like, it, yeah. that really sucks, man. I don't, I don't want it to happen. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, where there's a will, there's a way, as they say, you know. So even if, yeah. like you said, if you're just doing some little thing in the park, you can still... It's like, well, I'm still tapping into that live uh, gigs and stuff, you know. Yeah. So who else have you had on the the shows recently and stuff? Um, like, why did you start doing it and stuff? I think it was when I, when I, I did this interview with, like, telephone interview with Ian McKay, like, about 11 years ago. It was for my university, like, dissertation. Wow. And uh, then recently... <laughs> I just thought, you know what, I can, you know, speak to some people about, you know, people from the underground music scenes and just, and uh, tell the stories really, like you've been doing so, and like and share it with cool. other people. Share it with other people. And you got, um, that's brilliant. And you got Tom. You got Tom House, right? From Tom Charlotte House is coming on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like Charlotte. Field, yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. Huge inspiration for me. So, of the. But, um, they were a great band when you when you oh, saw man. them when yeah. you saw them you just knew how tight they were and, and the energy so they fucking, had with yeah, one they were, were a really brilliant just, band that that synergy like you're saying between the band members like they just had this fucking this connection like yeah yeah so all right thanks don i know um, the drummer the drummer was tight as well yeah no worries man cheers yeah, man thanks, uh, thanks for coming on i hope you get uh ah I hope you get uh, more people on your shows and stuff, man. It was oh, a pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Take care now. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. I just want to say a big thanks to my guest, Don McLean. I think the main things that stood out for me in this episode with Don was the, um, you know, the amazing longevity of Action Beat. Starting out as a two-piece with a drum machine, you know, like six, 16 years ago. And, uh, you know, they've expanded into this large kind of improvised noise ensemble and played over 700 shows across UK, Europe and North America um, and obviously something we talked about in the episode and, and other bands like Mogwai you know been together for 24 years and now they just recently got um, very recently got the uh, uh, charted uh, their album uh, number one and uh, also Bilge Pump as well uh, they've been together for a long time um, and it's like, what is that driving force? What is that dedication that, that keeps a band together for that long? Um, and I think probably with Action Beat, it's kind of that the, the kind of evolution, uh, changing things up, you know, bringing the guy in from the X, uh, as, is, as Don was saying, it kind of, you know, revitalized and reignited the, the, the kind of creative spirit, um, you know, so... Things like that can can uh, keep the band going and you know extend the longevity of the band. I think with the COVID and stuff, uh, Don was saying you know uh, it's, it's been a real challenge because he's been playing you know gigs and touring nonstop from the age of 21 and he's coming up to uh, 39 years old. So it's like probably the first time in his whole adult life that he's 
not able to to gig and tour uh, so it's a real big challenge and like you said it's like you know what is there to life if, if you can't perform and play gigs and play live shows you know because I mean, that's really the the kind of um, core of Action Beat is, is the live shows I mean they are a live band really and um, you know that's that's what they're all about so the very thing that makes an Action Beat um, has been taken away so yeah real struggle if you want to follow Action Beat they're on various social media platforms and they're also on Bandcamp so Bandcamp is action-beat.bandcamp.com they're on twitter twitter.com forward slash action beat all one word they're on instagram instagram.com forward slash action underscore beat and they're on facebook facebook.com forward slash action beat all one word if you're watching on youtube please could you like and subscribe to my channel to help the podcast grow and if you're listening on apple itunes please could you leave a review under the ratings and review tab you can also find me on facebook that's facebook.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway i'm also on instagram instagram.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway and i'm on twitter twitter.com forward slash t-s-w-d-a next up on the show is muka in their own words, here at Mooka, we want to give visibility to all underground and DIY creatives in Manchester, from painters to writers and musicians to shopkeepers. We will do this by celebrating and documenting the work they do, where they do it and why they do it, through articles, podcasts, playlists, radio shows and collaboration we will showcase what Manchester's subcultures have to offer and provide it in an accessible format for all to enjoy. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. I'm your host Rick Walland and you were listening to The Scene Was Dead Anyway. Mm-hmm.